Well, good morning. Welcome. If this is your first time here, my name's Josh. My wife, Brittany, and I serve as the lead pastors here, and uh, we just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And uh, we are wrapping up our series, Christmas According to Kids, this morning. And uh, we've had a fun time the last few weeks, uh, really just diving into what does Christmas look like from a child's perspective. And, uh, and so this week we get to wrap that series up, uh, but I do want to invite you, uh, we don't wrap up the Christmas season today, uh, this coming uh, Friday would be December 24th at 4 p.m. We have a one-hour candlelight family service. There's going to be stuff in the service for your kids uh, from the youngest to the oldest, and so uh, it's just a special time that we'd love for you to be with us. And, uh, and then after service, uh, rumor has it that there's a guy in a suit they would love to take some pictures with you. Uh, and so we'd love for you to, to snap a picture after service. And then uh, if you have any littles uh, and little kids uh, to us would be anybody elementary and younger, uh, they're going to be singing as a part of our worship in the next service. So even if you're like, hey, we came to the early service, feel free to stay for about 15 minutes into the second service, and then you can slip out, uh, support our kiddos. It's always uh, one of my favorite times not going to lie, I may have bribed my two children. Do not misbehave. Uh, they were playing examples for, well, what if we do this tomorrow, Dad? And I said, well, um, don't do that. Don't do that. You are leaders. I try to not put the pressure of you're the pastor's children. I just tell them they're leaders because if you've grown up in church, you know, pastor's kids, they, well, that's just for another day. Show some grace. But we're wrapping up our series today. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, Christmas according to kids and how kids are full of cheer and their perspective and how they haven't lost out on the joy of life and, and this season. And week one, we talked about anticipation, how if you've ever been around children during the Christmas season, you know they are just ready, ready. Is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? Do we open gifts today, tomorrow, yesterday? Uh, you know, all of those things. I think my children are already scheming for next Christmas already. Uh, if they're anything like kids you've been around, it's like, well, if Santa does not, you know, we're going to, we're just going to make plan B. Uh, and then Jensen, our youngest, I think he's going to, he's going to be the mastermind behind it all because his birthday's in January. So he really tries to work this system uh, in his favor. But today we're going to be hopping in on the topic of wonder because I think when when I begin to think about Christmas season, I think it's real easy, and we've talked about this in the intro of this message each and every week, how as we grow, we begin to, to just hop into the routine of Christmas. We allow life circumstances to happen, uh, and it begins to taint a little bit about what Christmas looks like for us. But there is something about a child and the wonder of it all. My children continue to ask questions. Well, how does this happen? And how does this happen? And, and what happened with Jesus here? And there is just this curiosity and this wonder that takes place that I think, whether you have grown up in church or today's your first time in church, I think when we think about this Christmas season, there is a lot of wonder that was there, and somehow we can walk away from that wonder. But I believe that God wants us to walk in this emotion this action of wonder because there is something special that takes place. But before we hop into the text today, uh, we thought it'd be fun to revisit our kids for one more time as we hear what they think about wonder. 
they're wrong. See, it's a wrong. I think, um, is the mic working? Okay. It means adventure. Curious, like you're curious about something. Like, like wonder things. Hmm, I wonder what that boy is doing. Like you, you don't know what to do. Um, find out. It means like you dream of something. I wonder if I can watch um, 10,000 Ninja Kids videos in one day. I wonder if Christmas is going to be good. I wonder what someone's doing. I wonder if somebody is suspicious. He said creature powers. Oh, do you like wild crabs? No, he likes that. Yeah, I play in my computer. My mo-control car, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like, like a monster truck. My family? Shitty cars. Santa Claus? Oh no. It's, and it has a... Adeline? It's having... Uh, butler. It's kind of like a race car, but it only has the back like it, but not that very much. I really like putting all the ornaments on the Christmas tree. Then I got straight to work with the ornaments. My friends, my family, not all of them because I was busy playing Minecraft. Judah and my brother and Samuel doing something really cool. Getting presents. That is this about God and Jesus' butt pain. Right? No, it's not. Hmm? I get to see all my family. I like decorating the tree. Jesus. Mm -hmm. My dog. Can we give it up for our kids one more time? They all came out of that room just saying, they just asked us a really lot of questions. Uh, believe it or not, all three of those videos, and there's one more, uh, there's a fourth video of where they talk about some of the elements of the Christmas story that will, uh, will play at Christmas Eve. So you just got to be there uh, to watch that. And um, I just apologize for anything my children say in the video. Um, just going to get that out of the way. Well, when we think about this idea of wonder, there's actually several meanings, but for the context of today, I, I want us to, to kind of just set this clear. Wonder in the, in the form of a noun is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. This sense of wonder is this feeling of surprise because of something beautiful and unexpected. When I read this definition, it, it so perfectly encapsulated, because there are words sometimes that, that you know you feel the word, but it's hard for the definition to accurately display how this word makes you feel. But as I read this definition, I said, this is wonder. 
if I've ever, ever read it, this feeling of surprise caused by something so beautiful, inexplicable. You can't explain it. You don't understand it, but it is so wonderful, full of wonder. And when we think about the Christmas story, there's so many elements of this where we should live in a sense of wonder, but somehow we walk away from it. We get numb to it. We get in the routine of life. But for children, it's so easy for them to be full of wonder. The other night we were, uh, we were with some, our, our boys and some of their cousins were over and, and they were drawing on plastic cups. I didn't even know this was a thing. They had all their markers out and they're coloring on these plastic cups and then this feels really safe. I, I did not condone it, but they, they put it on a, a, on a baking sheet on tinfoil and they, and they cook plastic in the oven. Smelled real wonderful in the kitchen. But here's what happens. The cup begins to melt and it makes this round shape of an ornament. Maybe you've done this before or seen it somewhere. But I watched in amazement is something so trivial and so simple, yet our kids were glued to the oven door watching as the plastic began to melt and how wonder had filled their, their little minds as they watched because they couldn't explain what was happening. But what they saw was something beautiful and they were surprised by it. And then I began to think on this idea of wonder. Have some of us thought that there's just no wonder left? That when we look, maybe we're a believer today. Maybe we've followed Jesus for a really long time and we just feel like we've figured everything out. We've gotten in the routine. I, I do my devotions. I go to church. I'm in a small group. I serve on a team. I do, my, I do my, my duty. But I don't believe that that's what God's called us to do. I believe God's called us to still live in a state of wonder. Because the moment we think that we figured it all out, or the moment we look at the, at the story of Christmas and Jesus coming in the form of a baby and we don't look at this with wonder, something has been tainted or ruined or broken in our life. But today we're going to talk about it because it's not just living in wonder in the season of Christmas. It's living in a season of wonder every day of our life. Because I believe when we look at this life that God has called us to live, that we can live with this sense of surprise at the beauty and the inexplicable, the, the, the unexplainable things that God will begin to do every day in you and I. And here's the bottom line for today for each of us is we can discover, rediscover wonder in Christ. We can rediscover wonder in Christ. And I think some of us need to hear it, myself included, because all of us, if we follow Jesus for long enough, can become real professional at what we're doing. But God did not call us into a profession of following him. He called us into a relationship of following him. And there's a difference. And in that relationship, we continue to live in this state of wonder. So our text today is going to be found in Matthew. We're going to start in chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and then we're going to pick back up in 9 through 11. And we're going to visit the, the wise men, as you may have heard them called, or the magi, three kings, however, however you want to describe them. But we're going to pick up in verse 1. And it says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? 
We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now there begins an interaction with King Herod, but we're going to kick back in, in at verse nine. And it says this, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hey, let's pause for a moment of prayer. Father, we just come to you right now. And God, we thank you for this Christmas season, the greatest gift in your son Jesus being born. But God, I'm so grateful today that your son wasn't born just for a season, but your son was born so that we could have relationship and no longer be separated from you. So God, we just stand in a moment of gratitude to say thank you. But God, I also ask today that you would speak to us, challenge us, God, will we walk out of here, walk out of this season, walk into the new year with a new sense of wonder that can only be found in you. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Now there's something interesting when you read Matthew's account. So if you're not familiar, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's just seeing if you're awake this morning. And each of them have a different account of the life ministry of Jesus. And without getting into too much detail, each author writes their account of the life of Jesus really in a different way to a different audience because this was, this was the gospel, the good news, getting out of the life and ministry and work of Jesus so that people could come to know who Jesus is. And Matthew, he just kind of gets right to the point. He skips over the shepherds here. And if you understand, and I'm not getting into the real brainy stuff here, but Jesus, it's known that he was probably about two at this moment. And so Matthew really just hops right to this place of where the Magi, these, these leaders, these astrologers, these kings, these whatever you want to describe them as, they came from the east to encounter Jesus. Now, just for context today so that you understand, Matthew does two things in his book here. He starts with the account of the Magi coming to see Jesus, who are foreigners, and he ends the book where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And here's what Matthew's doing here is Matthew says, hey, Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. Jesus came for all of us. There's such a powerful message in the order of which the account, I think sometimes here again is a moment of wonder for me. I think sometimes we can become so numb to just reading through scripture that, oh, we've just always heard about the wise men and we don't even take into account the detail of which God includes this in scripture to speak to all of us that he sent his son, the Messiah, not just for the Jews, but for all of mankind. And then we find that this account was further proof of Jesus as the Messiah because Matthew was very detailed in supporting the, the lordship, the, the messianic nature of who Jesus was. And, and he's fulfilling the prophecy that we find in Isaiah 60 verse 3. See, Isaiah 60 verse 3 says this, Nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. So here, right from the beginning, Matthew, he is just swinging for the fences. He's saying, hey, 
Jesus came for all of us. And oh, by the way, all those prophecies you've heard, he's fulfilling those even to the last detail that no prophecy is going to left, be left unfulfilled. So why this passage for today? Because there's wonder in it all. I wonder how in the world the star was moving. I wonder how in the world these three magi and all their crew just woke up one day and decided that they were going to go on a trek because a new star appeared and they're going to find the king of the Jews. I wonder so many things that are left out in this story, yet God includes it for you and I to be encouraged today. See, I believe that a life with Christ is full of wonder. It should be. So today, I I just want us to talk about a few things because I think that there's a lot to wonder in this story. I think that there was a lot of wonder found in these magi just by their behavior and their pattern of how they even, they left where they were to get to where Jesus was and they didn't come empty-handed. There's so much here. But what does wonder look like for us? How do we rediscover, how do we live in a life of wonder? And the first thing that I want us to talk about this morning is that wonder is found that knowing that he is with us. Wonder is found knowing that he is with us. And that he, for you, in case you can't put two and two together, that he is Jesus. And Jesus is with us. See, in verse two of this passage, they asked a very specific question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? See, this is what's taking place here. They are recognizing that he is king. They're also recognizing that he is here. They're not looking for some abstract. They didn't say, where is the temple that has been dedicated to the idea that Jesus was here? They're not asking, where is the place that you go to worship the Messiah, Jesus, that came? They are asking, where is he physically because we know that he has been born and we're here to see him. See, there is a prophecy in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. In Matthew 1, 23, we see it fulfilled. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's detail in all of this because this was more than just a, a, and and let me tell you, I love when babies are born. It's awesome to embrace and and hold that newborn baby. and, and, And there's, you know, if you've been around them, there's like a newborn baby smell and people get really weird about that stuff. Just do us a favor. There are a lot of little babies around here. Just don't touch them unless the parents tell you it's okay. All right. Everybody gets real grabby with the newborns at church, you know. Ah, let me just squeeze their head, you know. No, no, let's just, we like young parents and their families being comfortable here. Don't touch. That's not even in my notes. It's probably the cough drop. But here's the deal. This is more than just the arrival of a baby. This is God himself in human form, born in a manger, born to give his life for our redemption. He is with us. 
Jesus was announced in Luke 2.11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. He is God. He is the savior. He is the rescuer. There is so much that is being said about who Jesus is in this moment that many of us lose the wonder in this, but there is so much wonder to be found and amazement and the beauty of God orchestrating the gift of his son, Jesus. I, I want to track with you. We're hopping through a lot of scripture this morning because I just feel like God's word is the greatest place for us to discover the wonder we should live in. And when we begin to read and we, be, we begin to digest and we begin to internalize God's word into us, it helps us to live in this state of wonder. But I love what John, see here, we're hopping to another, another gospel here. And John verses one through three in chapter one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without them, nothing was made that has been made. And then we see in verse 14, just a few verses down, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That means that the same God that created the world, the universe, all the beauty that we get to experience was the same God that was born in a manger Christmas time over 2,000 years ago. You know where we find wonder? We find wonder in knowing that he is with us, that God is with us. This was not just the arrival of some special individual. This was the arrival of God himself in human form. See, Jesus did not simply just appear to be human. Jesus was human, but he was also, he was fully God and fully man. He just humbled himself to come to us, to be with us, to die for us. Now, I need you to understand here because scripture is just very clear in supporting that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a special prophet. He was God and is God and will be God for all of eternity. But this wasn't just a moment for Jesus to come down and to sit on an earthly throne and dominate and lead and reside and, and, and sit in this place of authority. This was actually a moment of where he came to serve. Jesus even says later, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Why? Because this is the very nature of the God who loves us so much that he didn't just want to, to be on the other side of eternity from us. He wanted to be with us. There's wonder in this. I wonder how imperfect I am that a God so big and so beautiful could love me enough that he wanted to send his son. If none of you mattered, I would matter enough. But can I tell you, all of you matter too. And scripture says that even before we loved him, he loved us. There's wonder to be found, church, that he is with us. See, God's not just intent. He doesn't just want to communicate about concepts and ideas of how he wants to, he wants to live in relationship with you. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus even says this from his very words. Now, he's not a baby here. He's, he's grown up. But he says, and surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the ages. 
This is hard for us to understand. And so I think sometimes, maybe it's not that we've just become in the routine of loving Jesus. Maybe it's just, we just don't understand it. And so we would just rather not live in the mystery and the surprise. And we'd just rather say, well, I'm just not going to wonder anymore. I'm just, I'm going to, I've figured things out. But here's our problem with that is our mind can only comprehend how we see things structured and organized. So our, our definitions are based on our context of the world we live in. So I'm going to give you a prime example. On Friday, we had some family coming up from the lower part of the state, and they called because they hit Orangeburg, and they're like, what in the world is going on? There are barricades at every exit, and there's all this stuff going on, and there's traffic and whatever, whatever, and we're like, yeah, the president's speaking at South Carolina State University. Because here's our context, and this is why I tell you this. Because our context of rulers on this earth is that if they're in a high, high enough place of authority, there's protective detail, there's barricades, there's stay away unless you've been approved. And this flips on us because Jesus, who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the author and finisher of our faith, doesn't say, hey, there's a bunch of barricades that are keeping you at a safe distance away from me. Jesus says, I love you enough that I'm going to humble myself and I'm coming to where you are. And you may think that I should have been born this way or it should have looked this way. And there was a lot of struggle for people in this time because this is not how they thought it should have looked. But it does not negate that he is king of kings, lord of lords. He is the alpha and omega. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. And church, if that doesn't awake some wonder in you to say, how can God with someone so imperfect and sinful as me love me this much? It should keep us in a place of wonder. And it gets even better. Because can I tell you, he's sitting at the right hand of the father today. Scripture says he's interceding on our behalf. And when he left, he said, hey, I'm not leaving you to abandon you. I'm sending one greater than I, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. Who is no less God than Jesus himself. Because we as a church believe in the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, it's really hard to process all that in our mind. Because we were never intended to be God. God is God, and thank goodness we are not. Because all of us would mess it up. So it's even hard sometimes when we think about this concept. And here's how I interpret when Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving one greater than I. I just believe that this is Jesus speaking in humanity, that he physically in his human ability could not be in all places. But the Holy Spirit, God's spirit dwells. It is all over the earth. This is how we see God and his omnipresence can be everywhere at all times because he is God and his spirit is with us. The second thing this morning, see, I could just, I could just keep going there, but I, I want us to, to keep going this morning because I have, I have two more points. Wonder is found in the fact that he is our rescuer. See, Luke 2.11, it not only said Messiah the Lord, but it also, he describes him today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. See, he wasn't just the king of kings, he was also the rescuer of our life. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is our rescuer. 
In verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. You know why I think that they found joy in a star? Because they knew that this was something more than just a king. This was someone who had the ability to rescue them from where they were. We would look at all the treasure that they brought and say, why would they be looking for anything else? Well, until we found a relationship with Jesus, we haven't experienced rescue. Until we're walking with him, we, we haven't experienced what rescue's like. So I fully, I fully deduce from the text that these magi were still wandering until they found Jesus. Can I tell you that we're in great need and we need rescue? Every last one of us needs rescue. But I need you to understand this because when we think about here, here again, I, I think we've, we've got to reprogram our mind because when we think about rescue, we think about maybe we're in the middle of an ocean or maybe we're in a pool and we're, and we're flapping because we're, we're, we're just taking on water. And so all of a sudden a lifeguard throws us a raft and we get the raft and we get to shore and the lifeguard passes us off to our parents. But see, the rescue of Jesus is not like this at all. The rescue of Jesus is the father who jumps in to save you and pulls you out from the depths of where you are and doesn't just pass you off to somebody else, embraces you right where you are. Or, or maybe it's this, it's the paramedic or the firefighter and they, their, their job, their duty is to, to serve and protect and, and they show up and they rescue you from whatever. Maybe you're in a house fire and they pull you out from the burning fire, but what do they do? They make sure you're okay and then they pass you on to your family. But God's not like that at all. He's not passing you off to anybody after the rescue. He's embracing you where you are. He's coming to the rescue and he's not leaving you beyond the rescue. See, I think sometimes we get numb to the fact that maybe we've been rescued so long ago that we forgot what it was like. But can I tell you, our salvation doesn't show commitment to God's work. It shows commitment to God's children. And I need you to process that sometimes because I, I, I think that we just, oh, well, that's God's job for him to save people from death and darkness. No, he, he does it not out of duty, but out of a love for you and for me and all of his lost children all over the world. See, Jesus, the Messiah, came to be the savior for the sins of all people. Now, why is Jesus the only one capable of rescue? I'm going to read just a few verses here. Psalm 137 through 8 puts it this way. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Titus 3, 4 through 6. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 2 Corinthians 5.19, redemption is God himself at work in the world, achieving his own goals for repairing the consequences of sin and bringing humanity back into relationship with himself. Church, I don't know about you, but this just moves me to a place of wonder and amazement because it shocks me. How things can be so broken, yet God has the perfect rescue plan. That he sent his perfect son to be that plan. And that causes me to find wonder in the rescuer. We haven't done anything to deserve what we get, yet he rescues. 
And in our wonder, it shouldn't just be a place of gratitude, a thank you, Jesus. It should be an exchange. See, because of the rescue, we should, we should freely give our life. We should give our love. We should give our affection. We should love Jesus. We should treasure him. And that's the third point this morning, is that wonder is found in allowing him to be our treasure. Wonder is found in allowing him to be our treasure. Jesus tells this parable in his public ministry. And it's probably the shortest parable because it's, it's one verse. And he tells it several different ways, but I just want to read Matthew 13, verses 44, and it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Now, I want you just for a moment to think about this man before he purchased this field. Before he discovers that there's treasure in this field. I like, I like to play this game when I read parables of like, what was really going on in the details that aren't disclosed here? And we don't know if these are real stories or Jesus was just a master storyteller to create. It doesn't really matter because he's teaching. Pastors make up stories all the time and statistics, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> Seven out of ten statistics are made up. <laughs> just making sure you're with me this morning. But if you think about this man before, maybe he had walked this path. He'd walk past this field every day going to work. And this field is just an ordinary field to him. Till maybe one day he was doing a cut through and all of a sudden he stumbles upon treasure. And in that moment, it changes a lot in this man's life. What made the difference? The treasure did. The field never changed. The treasure never changed. It was just the awareness. But can I tell you that treasure, it transformed this man's entire life. It transformed his values and his priorities. It altered his goals. It revolutionized this man. And you're like, Pastor, you're really stretching it this morning. But here's what I know. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man discovered it, when he really discovered the value of that treasure, he was willing to sell everything for that treasure. I think so many times, I even referenced this last week in second service. I think Pastor Brian did in first service about how, how sometimes gifts are a little deceiving. My grandmother, was she was queen at it. Pastor Brian's dad was genius at this. My grandmother would put like yellow, yellow pages. This service knows what that is. You know, next service I may have to define a little bit. But there were these things that phone numbers were in the pages. Really awesome. You could like have advertise. I mean, everybody you wanted their phone number is right there. But my grandmother, she'd get these big boxes for small gifts. And she'd stuff all this stuff in there and she disguise it because somehow in our mind we associate maybe the size of the gift to the value but that's when we're immature the older we get the wiser we get we realize 
I mean, guys, am I right? The smaller it is, the more expensive it is. Those little boxes that you wrap up for Christmas, they can, they can set you back. But we may walk by boxes all the time. And it just becomes the norm. We walk by the field all the time because we're in this world and we're in this life. And can I tell you that there are a lot of things that this world will tell you is treasure and it's nothing compared to our treasure in Jesus. How do we live in a place of wonder? We stop putting our treasure in other places and we put it in the one who is the ultimate treasure. There's nothing in this world. There's no investment you could convince me to do. There's no house you could ask me to buy, no car, no trip, no nothing that I would say, hey, I'm willing to sell it all to purchase this. Because I can tell you, whatever that is, if it's not Jesus, it's going to break. It's going to let you down. It's going to disappoint you. It's not going to settle and resolve everything your spirit's longing for. Because deep within our soul, we were created in the image of God. And when we're separated from God, we have a deep longing to be back with God. And the problem with this world is we have a lot of people that are trying to replace things in our soul that's longing for Jesus with things that this world has to offer because we've been walking by the boxes and we think, what is this one? I'll unwrap this one for a little while. Or maybe I'll hop to the next box. And inside there may be this little tiny treasure that the world may have decreased the value from their perspective. But when you discover the treasure of Jesus, it may look small in one moment. It's going to cost you everything, but it will be the greatest treasure you ever experience in your life. See, this treasure in the parable, it's eternal life. And scripture tells us very clearly, there's no way to the Father except through the Son. So the treasure is Jesus. And I know that we come to Christmas every year and we know it's all about Jesus and we can say it till we're blue in the face, but some of us have stopped living in the wonder that Jesus is our treasure and this life is about Jesus, not just this season. And I think about this, I read this quote this week and I love it. Because eternal life is more about a person than a place. It's about Jesus. And the quote says this, what will make the kingdom of heaven so heavenly to us will not be this glorious phenomena of the new creation or the rich rewards we will receive. As inexpressibly wonderful as they will be, the heaven of the age to come, the treasure of treasures, will be God himself. Knowing and being with the one from, from, from whom all blessings flow. See, I think sometimes we get excited about the wrong treasure. We can get excited about thinking about streets of gold and the mansions that have been prepared for us, for those, and the reward and the crown. And, but it, all of that pales in comparison to being with God the way he intended for it to be from the beginning. See, he loved you so much that he sent his son because what sin broke, the only way to fix it was the sacrifice of a perfect and a spotless lamb and Jesus Christ, the greatest treasure. See, back to this story in verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed and worshiped him. They opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought their greatest treasure to the greatest treasure. 
See, we make it all about the gifts that the wise man, and we, and we can. There's, there's some connection to them recognizing the kingship of Jesus in this moment. But don't miss out. It's not on their gift of treasure. It is on the treasure himself in Jesus. So the question today is, are you ready to give it all to experience the greatest treasure that you could ever experience in your life? And that may mean a lot of things for the people in this room and the people who will be on this campus today. Because maybe you've just been trying to, well, okay, Jesus, I, I, know, I know you're here, but just stay there just for a moment because I'm, st- I'm still going to just explore what these boxes have to have. Because I, can I tell you, this is a problem for the Christian faith that we still forget that Jesus is our greatest treasure. We stopped at point two because we just thought, well, Jesus is our rescuer. Jesus isn't just our rescuer. He's also the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's the greatest treasure you could ever experience. You can become numb to the wonder that God wants you to live in because you forgot that he's your greatest treasure. See, it's not Jesus plus anything makes me whole. It's Jesus will make you whole. See, I think there's a lot of Christians that aren't living life to the fullest in the way that Jesus intends because we have not embraced him as our only and greatest treasure. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Are you ready? Because it's not cheap. The size of the box does not mean that it's going to cost you less. It's going to cost you everything if you're going to live the way that God intended for you to live. Don't miss it. See, I think about this parable that Jesus tells and he says, the man sold it all. But then we see another account where he looks at the rich young ruler and he says, hey, you want to inherit eternal life? Go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. You know why Jesus did that? Not because we have to sell all of our possessions to truly follow Jesus. But Jesus understood that that young man had placed his treasure and things that could not go to the other side of eternity with him. When God asks us to give it all, he's asking for our life. That means our ambition. That means our goals. That means our dreams. That means our insecurities. That means our bad habits. That means all of our broken relationships, everything that's gone bad in this world, and everything that's gone right for us. It's giving him everything to say, God, i got to trust you because you are my greatest treasure. It's the safest bet you'll ever place, but it's the most expensive one because you've got to go all in. See, Jesus longs that you will be with him. And I, I love this. I told you there's a lot of scripture because when we're finally with him face to face, this is what scripture says. He'll wipe away every tear from your eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things will have passed away. Never again will you know any kind of separation from him, for you will always be with the Lord. This is the greatest treasure that we can be. We can delight in the Lord because he's a good God. He is a rescuer and he is the greatest treasure of our life. I want to ask everybody to bow your head this morning and close your eyes. If you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I've placed my treasure in other things. I I haven't, 
I haven't trusted Jesus. I need him to rescue me. I, I'm just ready to say yes, because here's what happens. So many times we wait for moments like Christmas. We wait for moments like Easter when everything around us is pointing us to. I love the fact that, you know what? This world can try to, to market and monopolize this, this season of the year, but it is about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It will forever be about Jesus when we choose it to be about Jesus by saying yes to him. This life can be about our relationship with Jesus by saying yes. So my prayer is that today that you've, maybe you stumbled upon this field, maybe you've been walking by this field every Sunday, but today's your day because you just discovered that there is treasure, not in this building, but there is treasure in Jesus Christ. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a church. It's not about a building. It is about the Savior and the treasure of your life. And today it's ready. It's time to sell it all and say yes to him. So with every head bowed, if you're in the room today and you just say, Pastor, that's me. I need to, I need to pray this prayer. I, maybe, maybe I've been walking. Maybe I've been halfway in. Maybe I've not been at all. But today I'm saying yes to Jesus. Will you just slip your hand up? balcony hey let's just all repeat this prayer dear Jesus forgive me help me to treasure you help me to follow you thank you for saving me become Lord of my life I say yes to you in Jesus name everybody said Amen. Church, can we celebrate people making decisions today? Now, here's the deal. If you said yesterday, we've got two easy ways for us to take a next step with you. You can text the number on the screen and we'll have somebody reach on uh, online to you. They'll follow up with you. Or if you're here in the building today, We've got connection centers in our lobby in the courtyard out back. And we've got just a little resource for you. It's a Following Jesus book. And we just want to put something in your hands because, again, it's not just buying the field. It's now, it's now living a life with Jesus as your greatest treasure. And we want to walk with you because it's our mission here at Greenville First to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be.